Welcome back to another edition of the Department of Conversation brought to you by Stratus. Stratus is the most affordable alternative to smoking. The Stratus starter kit at under 25 bucks. It's a vaping uh, pen and pod system. You get three pods. Each pod lasts most users several days. So for 25 bucks, you basically get, say, two to four weeks worth of replacement for cigarettes. The pods have got nicotine in them. This has been designed specifically to help people stop smoking. That's why we're getting behind it. For the cost of one packet of cigarettes, you basically get a pen and two to four weeks worth of product to help you get off smoking. Then after that, the refill pods are less than 20 bucks for four. So if you're someone who uh, smokes on an average amount, which is, I guess, is when we say most people, the pod will last several days, then perhaps 20 bucks will last you three weeks and you're not smoking anymore. What a fantastic idea that is. It's called Stratus. And if you want to find out more about it, head to vaporium.nz. All right, team, today, uh, it feels like with this level four going to level three, potentially going to level two, in New Zealand, we've only got four months left till election day. Election cycle is starting to pick up. And I'm very keen to have a chat with uh, lots of politicians between now and election day. And we kind of start that cycle today with a friend of the show who has been here before. Uh, she is the co-leader of the Green Party of Aotearoa, New Zealand. It's Marama Davidson. Live streaming with Marama Davidson. Good morning. Morena, Pat, Kilda, lovely to be here. Yeah, hey, so nice to be with you. Thank you for uh, giving us some time, especially in this current climate where it seems, understandably, you know, politicians are... Uh, off the chain busy and I imagine even though you know the Prime Minister is fronting a lot of things at the moment you'll probably have a, a lot going on a lot of input in various places uh, as well so thank you we do appreciate the time thank you um, no, thank you it, 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 is, it is busy but part of part of that is actually maintaining our contact with people so it's yeah. really important that I be here thank you very much no 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 you're more than you're more than welcome any almost any time you know this is what we do in this podcast we're like if you've you've been once come back in a few months time absolutely fine with that because as you know from last time we just kind of we kind of spit we just kind of talk and, and and that could happen week to week to week so who knows so we'll see you next week as well apparently for sure <laughs> hey um how's the coronavirus um situation been for you how's it been personally for you but also as the co-leader of the Greens, obviously you're not, I always got to get this right in my head, you're not part of government, but you're supply and demand, which means, as I understand it, you're sort of, a, so you're, kind of you're kind of car mates without owning the vehicle. Is that a way to look at it? You're doing pretty good there. <laughs> I love your analogy there. Yeah, we, um, well, I think it's, for me in particular, as a non-ministerial and non-executive co-leader, um, I both get to influence um, some of the decisions that are made mm -hmm. uh, as all of our green, green MPs, but I also get to hold government to account and push for further and faster as well at the same time. So, so that's yeah. I think I think you're right. I don't I don't own the car, but I'm but I'm part of the journey. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and how's it been for me personally? Look, of course, I'm in a I'm in a very privileged and fortunate position, I guess, personally. Um, in level four, all of level four, I was at home like most of the country mm. and worked solidly from home. Somehow, you're right; it, it, it did end up being um, busier 
then it actually normally is sort of um, the epidemic response committee that I'm on um, added, added a whole nother bit of spice to my sort of work days. But my family, um, we're, we're a large bubble of eight in yeah, my oh, household wow. plus the dog. Yeah, and that includes the the baby, uh, my grandchild, mm -hmm. who's about to turn one. Uh, so we we we're lucky. We're lucky that we're able to look after for each each other, care for each other. Um, the kids are doing well. Um, we're all working from home. It was a bit of a juggle, bit of a juggle with um, my husband and I because we don't have an office. Trying to find places to have our Zoom calls. <laughs> um, <laughs> And running, running into the bedroom with our computers while we're live on a Zoom call and looking at, at each other going, excuse me, I've got a call. And he's like, but I've got a call. It's a bit of juggle um, that I think many families will be very familiar with. Yeah. Um, but, you know, um, really doing really well. I can't wait to see our extended family. Mm -hmm. um, and yes, it, it's been busy work-wise. It's been very busy trying to help and make sure that people that we are doing as much as we possibly can to to, to look after people collectively through COVID-19. So, yes, it, it has been a very strange, busy time. I'm interested, um, you sort of talk, you didn't use the word pushback, I don't think, but you talked about um, keeping the government accountable. Um, through that level four especially, probably like most of New Zealand, having spoken to uh, Jack Tame last week, talking about the numbers of people that were watching TVNZ News, and I'm assuming it's the same with TV3 News, numbers going through the roof. Um, my alarm on my phone was set for five to one each day and for five to six each day during level four because I wanted to see how many numbers there were. I wanted to see where we were at. I wanted to hear any announcements. Um, and obviously the Prime Minister... Uh, and I'd probably say, therefore, in the eyes of the public, Labour were, were very high profile through that time. Towards the end of it, National stuck its head up. Uh, Simon made a few comments and seemed to get his head knocked off a little bit. Um, but I'm interested in your pushback because from sitting and watching the news every day, acknowledging there's only an allotted 22 minutes to see a half-hour thing, I didn't see a lot of the Greens um, up the front kind of either offering suggestions or pushing back not as a criticism but just wondering what were you guys actually up to in that background was it more behind the scenes uh how, how are you pushing back how are you helping yeah. well actually the in through the through COVID-19 and especially through level four actually our priority was to simply support importantly support the health messages yep. um, make sure that our communities were being linked into the support getting um food out to vulnerable people out to elderly people through the government networks through the local community networks our focus was on supporting the messages that the prime minister and the um, director general ashley bloomfield were putting out was actually a priority for us very very busy in the background um, making sure that we had our eyes across what was being suggested making suggestions to improvement and actually um, all three political parties New Zealand First, ourselves and Labour, mm -hmm. were key in pushing through all of that work. No surprises that the Prime Minister fronts that um, yeah, yeah. and sort of leads that messaging. So that has just been um, really important that we were um, amplifying the, the public health and safety messages was really important. Uh, through Level 3 and now, we are now turning our sort of attention to our rebuild our recovery mm -hmm. um and the imagine the, the sort of aotearoa that we can imagine 
ourselves, given what we have just seen, which is that when we really need to, we can come together and government can make some changes. Mm. So we're now turning our attention to, okay, um, a lot of communities will need to be replenished, um, families will need support, um, businesses will need support. What do we want to focus on as we um, replenish and recover through COVID? Um, and we're very, very clear that this is an opportunity now, perhaps more than many of us have seen in our lifetimes, to really invest and support the community-based, the collective and cooperative sharing industries and innovations that are going to take us into the long-term future in a way that protects our people and our environment, while at the same time providing good jobs and decent incomes for mm -hmm. people in our communities. So that's sort of where we are definitely going to be playing a major role. People would have seen that I think um, the day before yesterday, we announced our green proposal to actually pay essential workers what they deserve. Agreed. Um, it's all good. We all we always knew that they were an essential part of our community backbone, um, but it's become even clearer through COVID just how essential they are. And actually, they went to work like our supermarket mm -hmm. um, people, like rubbish collectors and cleaners, like our aged carers. They went to work so that we could stay home safely. It's about time that we paid them properly so they could also um, earn a proper living. Uh, we also announced the week before a sort of green jobs vision of a billion dollar investment into things like um, protecting nature, conservation work, um, waste work, pest control, weed control, monitoring our rivers and lakes. Um, and how do we actually create a waste system that will provide jobs and, um, you know, minimise our waste and come up with new waste and recycling initiatives as well? So, we've been um, getting our getting our sort of getting our visions and ideas out there a little bit more um, in the in the past couple of weeks. The um, essential workers point you made, I think, is gold. Uh, there's been probably two or three. Uh, you'd imagine I've been doing podcasts from my house, obviously, because my studio is in town and I can do it from home, so I have. Um, and a lot of the conversations I've been having, I've been really busy as well, almost one a day podcast sort of thing, is um, has been talking about coronavirus, obviously. And one of the points that's been made several times is, you know, you see what's happening in New York and you see people coming out at 7 p.m. and clapping on balconies and stuff and, and thanking the the essential workers and I think about it and has been said a few times that I think what would be uh, would show better appreciation is not to kind of forget about them six weeks after it's over but as you say pay them what they're worth and I think that flows over on into New Zealand as well I mean applause is lovely we all like applause but what actually stands this test of the test of time uh, and appreciation is for example showing what they're worth long term and that can be done financially so I, I fully I fully agree with you in that. The other thing is you're um, <clears throat> talking about what future we could have this opportunity. It feels like the last time we had, obviously different, but this kind of stop to the world was the GFC, the global financial crisis in 2008. But it feels like that was kind of pushed onto us and we couldn't do anything to respond. It was all of our, outside of our hands. It feels different this time. It feels like this has been you know, pushed onto us, something that we've had no control over, but we've had control as to how we respond to it, we being the country. 
And there's a part of the conversation that I've been hearing and having the last six weeks or so, which is we're all really intrigued, not to say that this thing is good, but interested to see what the good byproducts that come from this are going to be. And what, for example, the country might look like, how we might operate, what we might do. So again, it's it's a. I think it's now an exciting time. Um, you know, every singular death from this is one singular death too much. So that's why I'm very careful yeah. to avoid words like happy or good, mm-hmm. but but still intrigued as to the byproducts from here on in. What will we be as a nation? How will we look, especially in the interim? When, for example, it seems the madness of America. You know, we may have to keep our borders closed for the next 12 months to any significant international travel. What will we do? Um, one of the things we've been throwing out there in the podcast is, you know, get behind Air New Zealand and support them. Uh, Air New Zealand runs an advertising campaign that says, can't do Queensland, do Queenstown, you know, can't do Fakatane, do France. And we support our airline who then support us back with good prices and we get around the country. So we see New Zealand rather than see the world for the next 12 months. That kind of thing and how that will pan out. I'm quite excited by by seeing what may come. Yeah, look, I think um, both things are true, that there have been many hardships, many people have lost their livelihoods, their health, and their family members, um, their much-loved family members through this. And we hold on to those hardships and do what we absolutely can to reduce that impact as much as we can, which is why the government put in place things like the wage subsidy and doubling the winter energy payment and so on and so forth. We learned that we actually had to come together very quickly and look out for each other, that um, the old agenda of looking out for yourself um, did not work, um, was not going to help us all keep safe through this. So those are, I mean, I think the word opportunity is fine. There were things that happened through COVID that were absolutely devastating. Mm-hmm. There were also things that um, brought a bit more attention to the value of our beautiful natural world. We had people in urban busy centres talking about birds that they've never seen come to their backyards. Yeah, we yeah. had people in the city talking about um, flounder running the shore at Okahu Bay that they haven't seen for decades and decades. We have got a a bit of a realization of what can happen when we live differently and we don't want to um we don't want to be forced into living differently in a way that shocks us and creates the hardship that Mm -hmm. we have just all seen that we are still seeing and will continue to see but what can we do together that designs the way that we live to be able to get those benefits of lower emissions of less of an impact on our environment and the benefit of working and caring collectively um, for each other. And so, yes, this is an opportunity uh, to think, well, we've got a real chance here. Government is looking to spend money in different directions and the Greens are clear um, that for our long-term future, we need to invest in the industries and the sectors that need to grow, that need investment like clean energy, like health sector, like um, healthy homes and housing and public housing. And we need to pull back and, um, you know, pull out of our support of sectors that are not going to take us into the future, like um, fossil, dirty fossil fuel and energy um, and energy and mining. And so, 
now is the time where I think um, many people are reimagining what our country and our world can look like. It's interesting to see that, as you say, around the world as well. You know, the stories about the Himalayas being able to be seen from 200 miles away, which hasn't been like that since the 1920s. And um, although it's not a pollution issue, the uh, the canals in Venice being clear because the silt's not being turned up. And, you know, so I, uh, we've mulled over a few times. Say again? Pat, did I, see, um, did I see something on social media this morning about Maunga, about Mount Taranaki being seen from Wellington, I believe, which apparently never, never, you know, is very rare if ever. So, yeah, all of those things, I think um, people have been able to connect hearts and minds to some of the possibilities. If we put the, the right structures and systems in place and have a real hard think about how we live more in harmony with each other and with our planet, yeah. Stuff.co.nz, 18 hours ago, the headline is Mount Taranaki visible from Wellington in cool, still conditions. Look at that. So there you go. Um, I wonder, um, these these are the byproducts and things that we're wondering are going to happen. You know, we've been told projections of uh, cataclysmic events within the earth and we're going to reach a tipping point that we can't turn back from by 2022 or whatever the the date people are, are putting out there. I wonder if this little... 8, 10, 12 week break is going to do something to the planet that's going to give us that time to sort out what we need to sort out as well and won't it be ironic as if if this little 3 month gap gives us another 3 years to sort out what we have to sort out, I mean it kind of on some level, whilst this has been a difficult trying time and hard for everyone when you think about um, for the sake of the entire planet and the longevity of it, it doesn't seem to take very much to actually clean shit up yeah i wanted to to say two things that i think draw on your earlier remarks as well other countries um have really not looked after their people properly have really um left it to a oh we don't want to we don't want to shut down business too much we don't want to yeah, shut yeah. down trade too much right now and that has been saddening and i hope as as a world that we can really speak out very strongly against that approach of feeling like some people are not worth enough for us to um, stop trading and stop business as usual. And I really hope that um, the world can speak out against that attitude because we that has brought us to the status quo of environmental climate and inequality degradation. What I um, wanted to pick up on also is that reliance on more of our local community level enterprise and businesses, um, supporting our local cooperative and neighborhood businesses right down at yep. our neighborhood business level actually, and less and less reliance on our, and you know, a lot of people won't like this, but less less reliance on our sort of global trade in the way that we have been doing it. Um, I, I keep talking about, and everyone has talked about the, absurdity of sending our raw logs from our regions um, offshore and what instead can we be doing in our regions that create not just jobs but the cooperative owned shared innovations in our regions that are actually owned by those communities owned yeah. and run and manufactured and produced um, I think you and I have even talked about the Monica press as an example up mm -hmm. the east coast and that reliance and across our communities 
I think is something that we are seeing would have held us in even better stead right now um, to face any other pandemics that may come our way. And, and there has been a lot of talk that this won't be the last. This, this won't be yeah, the yeah. last because of the way that the global world is set up now. So how can we set ourselves up by having a proper social safety net for those times of hardship that we've just seen in action, by um, having more reliance and cooperation across our own local communities and our local economy, um, so that we don't face such a harsh impact when some of those status quo ways of trading are cut off. I think... Um... We're just, I've described this, what we've been going through a few times. I spoke to an American right-wing political commentator yesterday. So that idea about how other people are being um, treated in other countries is quite raw, in, in my head at least, from the conversation. And I didn't, man, I, I didn't get this out to him, but I've said it a few times. It feels like for the response to what we're going through right now, there's two columns. There's the good decision column, there's the bad decision column. And acknowledging nothing's perfect, what we're trying to do is take as many, tick as many of the good decision column boxes and as few of the bad decision column boxes. And it feels like here in New Zealand we've maybe done that, which is why I think that, um, you know, uh, when the leader of the opposition came out and criticised a bit early, there was a lot of pushback because I think most New Zealanders are like, you know, we're pretty, whether we're a, a lefty or a righty or a centrist, we're pretty happy with the way we're doing it right now. I think it was misreading the room a little bit, in my in my opinion. Um, but that idea of the social safety net, and I think about it like the self-sufficiency we could have here in New Zealand. And I the idea of what we could have in this country, we, we could be a little you know island unto ourselves both metaphorically and literally not that we're going to exclude the outside world but the example i've given recently is you know i'm, I'm fine not having as many bananas you know central otago peaches will do me um so the stuff we can grow in here and and you know i, I don't think you can control business i don't think that's how i would want to operate but the idea of you know our dairy suppliers being able to um purchase a a pound of their butter in Sydney cheaper than you can in Auckland. This might be the time to address that, that sort of thing. That's that's a really good example. That's a really good example um, of supporting more of our local and community economy, especially to be a, a, among ourselves. Look, we've had an upsurge as an example um, on social media, um, an upsurge of people wanting to support Māori and Pacific and women in business. So there have been social media um, places created online mm -hmm. where all of those businesses come and say this is what I do and people have just people who are able to have been going yes I want to support you I want this is where I want to spend my money and that is what happens when you ensure that people have decent incomes they will spend yep. in their local neighborhood buy the essential worker stuff they will spend in their local dairies their local shops their local services and that goes round in their local communities. Um, this is absolutely essential mm -hmm. to replenishing our communities at that, at that grassroots level. I um, we have a uh, just started up during the pandemic. We've had a Facebook group here in Dunedin. Um, that's all the local business people. It's called 100% Dunedin Business or something like that. And they had a competition, and the competition was to design a logo for local Dunedin businesses to then be able to put in their window and say we are locally owned and operated and it, it went gangbusters and it went off and there's been a winner and so now there's a design that's been made and 
you know, locally owned and operated businesses in Dunedin are going to have this opportunity to put this circular sticker in their window, kind of for that exact reason. You know, I've I've got friends up the hill from where I live. These are these we've got a, a fantastic deli um, butchers, real standalone butchers like the old days in our neighbourhood. <laughs> and, and I saw one of my friends up the hill say, you know, for the for the next wee while, I'm going to make sure I buy all our meat from the butchers, not to negate the supermarket, but we get our other stuff from the supermarket to support them, and then we get our meat from the butchers to support them, and you know, we'll get through this together. That that sort of idea. Yeah, I have. I am. I am going to become. Um, I have been ordering online arts and creative produce and um, earrings from our local designers because I also know that New Zealanders love to support that creativity and that that local creativity is also going to be part of um, a sustainable industry for us going forward as well and I I love it I know that Welly Eats I'm here in Wellington Um, we've got a Welly Eats uh, website and I purposefully went there Um, to make sure that I could know where our local restaurants and takeaways are that are open for ordering right now and and shouted my family down here in Wellington um, did the Sunday takeaways thing and people want to do that they really want to support there's a real heart passionate commitment and that and heart that um, people at our local level want to show support for their local people and businesses. I think it's important, and I think it's how we get through this together. We've been talking about a philosophy here like that in New Zealand one of, you know, don't go to France, go to Fakatane sort of thing. But there's another philosophy. Well, there's this another philosophy. Well, as long as in New Zealand keeps flying to Fakatane, I guess, in theory. Um, there's this other <laughs> philosophy we've been talking about, which is we kind of called it the break even philosophy. Um, meaning, if we can all kind of especially in business, if we can get through this by breaking even and give each other breaks to help us get through this, then when the time does come for us to expand, we'll still be there. And so the example is the owner, who the, the building owner of the cafe, you know, and these are all hypothetical numbers, obviously, but let's say his mortgage is a thousand bucks a week and he's charging the cafe market rates, which is fine of 2000 bucks a week. Well, in this period, why don't we make that 1200 bucks a week? The landlord then yeah. not put out, he's broken even gives the chance yeah. for the uh, cafe to stick around and stay there. And Love then they're that. still there to, to open up at the end. And then what the cafe does to break even is if they can get $6 for their lattes, it's our engine eating, four fifty for their lattes, but they only, they're only costing them two fifty. So let's make it three fifty, and then they're breaking even. And then people will patronize them um, and, and yes. kind of just doing this together. And the idea of being loyal, loyal as well being loyal to air new zealand but we but we need air new zealand to be loyal back to us you know we need air new zealand to go thank you for supporting us we're going to keep our rates down you know being loyal to your local cafe and have them be loyal back to us and and not as some and i'm sure of this because i saw it when i went to a certain supermarket just before lockdown prices felt a little bit higher in the meat department than they had been before so rather than trying that money grab realize that we will be there to support you business if you support us back we will be loyal to you if you're loyal to us and at the end of this because there will be an end to this we can then ramp up to business as normal but what it means is everyone will still be here you know what i mean as much as possible that's incredible and that really does 
role model that we're all in this together stuff. Um, and that's taken a long-term approach too, okay. Um, uh, the New Zealand example is a good one. Although obviously I'll just put my quick plug in. I also want us to look and invest in um, our different ways of getting around the country. Sure. I keep telling James before that I'll be the first on an Auckland to Wellington train um, as an MP <laughs> cool. to get to work when and if we, oh, I love trains. Um, but I also don't want, yeah, that sort of break even stuff in a way that doesn't impact on their lowest paid workers as well. Totally. Um, we need need our lowest paid workers around the country to not be carrying the brunt um, of the hardship, and that that's I'm very clear about that. And if we could just if we could just take that long term approach to okay, things might be a little down right now, mm-hmm. so if we can just all of us um, all of us share the burden as as is appropriate for us. People like me who can afford to pay a couple of extra bucks for those local businesses will be so more. You know, we um, through level four, our lawn mowers, lawn mowers, you know, were not able to operate. Yeah. We emailed them to make it very clear that we would continue to pay them, not as credit for our lawns, but just to keep paying them because we could. Yep. And that that was um, a payment ahead for their lawns that we would start paying them fresh when they were able to mow our lawns again. But in the meantime, to help keep them in business, we wanted to continue paying as normal. Those of us who can do that stuff um, can do that. And you know, and I think we also, um, in the long term, of course I'm gonna say that we also need to rethink our proper redistribution of wealth. Um, and that includes a progressive tax system that does not hammer our low and middle income earners, but really looks at big wealth, big asset, um, big inequality issues as well. Um, it sounds like you're about to get into election mode there. We'll do that in a sec. <laughs> because I was going to say one other thing about this whole coronavirus response. As I said, talking to his name's Dave Rubin. He's a American right-wing commentator. He's got a, a YouTube show called The Rubin Report with a million subscribers. Talking to him yesterday, and we had that classic conversation you do with um, people from the right about you know, smaller government is better. And um, I've always been of the opinion that better government is better. And Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter whether it's big or small, as long as it's better. Mm -hmm. And the perfect example in America at the moment, and we talked a bit about this, is the response to coronavirus. And again, if people look at that episode, they're not going to get this example, because typically I thought of this just after I turned off the microphone. Um, (laughs) But, you know, if the federal government had bought their PP, then they yeah. would have got them for a lot cheaper prices and and farm them out rather than literally literally having the states bid against each other and pushing the price up. Perfect example of how big government can be better. Um, and and there was an example in the press yesterday of a woman called Shelley Luther. Um, some people will know about the story. She's a salon owner and she refused to shut down. And she sort of did all the right things for social uh, distancing and that. She showed a video of the mask, all these kinds of things. But the rules were you can't open, and she opened anyway. So she got you know, censured or uh, a court appearance. And in that court appearance, um, she explained that she needed to feed her kids. Her, her salon workers needed to feed their kids. Uh, the judge gave her a really big out, which is if you apologize, then we'll just say, that's it, we're done. She, of course, refused to apologize because she's American and she spent seven, she's been sentenced to seven nights in jail. So, But Dave, who is a right-wing free market guy, put a tweet out and said, a true American hero 
the point I made to him yesterday was that's the perfect example of bad government. Because yeah. and, I, and I told them about what we're doing here in New Zealand. Good government should have been making sure that that business owner and those workers didn't need to go to work in this time to feed their yeah. kids. And I think that's that's what we've done doing this together as a community, New Zealand that is in general, with things like the, the paying 80% of the wage to businesses who are suffering. So good yeah. good government is good government, whether it's big or small. That was the point I was making with him. Interesting. Nice, Pat. Um, election time's coming up. Are you in the camp that election day should stay where it is or do you think it should be moved? Oh, goodness. Um, there is there is no sign whatsoever that it is going to be moved at this time. I haven't... I'm, I'm fine with it staying where it is because of how we seem to be tracking. I will, I will caution that. We seem to be tracking... Um, we, we've done very, very well. We seem to be tracking that there isn't a huge, a huge need to move the September date at yep. this stage. Um, if anything changes, you know that may be up for a review. But I think a lot of the the, the planning and the and the thinking, um, I think, upholds the September election date um, where it is at the moment. And look, I don't know. I haven't done enough thinking on what sort of See, because the pros and cons, like for who? <laughs> I mean, as far as I'm concerned, the electoral the electoral commission, I think it is, um, a date has been made yep. that was revealed to the public. Yep. That was revealed to the public. It's what the public uh, expect so far, and I think we have good reason so far to be able to stick to that. Because what are we now? May. You, haven't you lost track of the time? I so have lost track of the time. So June, July, okay. August, September. So it's it's actually almost exactly four months away. Yeah, and, and that means a short. That's quite short. <laughs> that's quite short. I realise. Uh, I think that um, we've had to pull our socks up and make all sorts of adjustments as a country. Yeah. And I think that if we have to, we will. We will just pull our socks up and and campaign, and all the parties will campaign as they need to and make changes as they need to. Um, and I think too, COVID. Everyone's quite tired. And I think that we do need the momentum now of heading into an election, of hearing what the political party's visions are for New Zealanders, for people yep. in our country. And I think that um, delaying that may not be positive in terms of keeping people's momentum and energy where it needs to be. Yeah. Um, a week is a long time in politics. So four months is like a millennia, I guess, in theory. Um <laughs> At the moment, looking at the polls and stuff, and I know some people are going to roll their eyes about the polls, Labour could govern alone. Do you think, in hindsight, nobody knew that this was going to happen? It was a, it was a mistake not getting into government with them? Because if, if that did happen for the first time in MMP, and let's be honest, if it was going to happen, it would be this year, although it's a long way away, then yeah. if they don't, if, if you'd been with them this time through, would there be more chance that they'd want you to be with them, even if they got, say, 52 or 53%? Um, I think it's more about the, well, there's the numbers game for sure. And, and eight MPs, um, while we've, again, while we've been able to do quite a bit, there's a whole lot more that we could do with more than eight MPs. Yep. Um, even, even Labour um, acknowledged that, that that poll will change of course. Um, as we go through 
through the months and of course you know and we and we see similar things happen for similar governments in the similar sort of um i guess crises and and situations so that's that's also to be expected what we've always also looked at is the trend of polls Mm -hmm. and we are sort of well quite surprised um, that we ha- the Greens have been able to trek quite steadily, but we're not comfortable with sort of sitting above 5%. We know that that's quite dangerous. We know that we are going to um, both differentiate, show that we have worked with, worked well with government, but also differentiate and say, well, if you want more of um, climate action, if you want to see more support around things like regenerative um, agriculture and transformative farming and protecting water and um, more um, increasing of the lowest income benefit rates for the lowest income households. It is really the Greens who need to get us there. And we know that that's um, how we have to continue to both be a little bit different um, from the other parties while at the same time showing that we were able to work with them. So tracking those polls, have you guys, because I'm sure you obviously do a, a, a shit ton of internal polling as well. Um, have well, you? It's quite expensive. So we, it's quite, polling is quite expensive. So we don't manage to do um, as off as as many right. as the other sort of resource. But yes, we do do some. Um, the the trends that you've seen with Labour obviously riding high at the moment, you know, uh, as a byproduct of. COVID-19, this is where one of those players you don't want to say thanks to because it's a horrible thing, but as a byproduct of COVID-19, um, where have you seen their support been coming from? Is it the centre centre people that could go either way? Have you guys seen a downturn in the trends going to Labour? What have you seen? It's, it's um, What I've seen is it's coming from everywhere, in fact, <laughs> from not from one place. Um, so I'm really actually pleased that even with their increase that the Greens have managed to hold on to the large sort of chunk of our um, core support base, um, which, which tells me that we need to continue doing that sort of differentiation work, why we are green in the first place, mm-hmm. um, why we are needed in government. It tells me that people do need our voice and do want our voice to be there and to both work with, but also be very clear about where we'd go further. Um, and so that, you know, and again, I think there is that acknowledgement um, from Labour that 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 poll won't stay the same, that yeah. it was very unique to COVID and that they will need to um, make their decision. I can't, I can't speak for them, of course, but that they will make their decisions about what sort of government they want also, um, as we will all be thinking about that um, after election, what sort of government. Um, the Greens are clear, we want the most progressive government mm-hmm. possible. and We need to tell people that the most progressive government will come from a strong, um, more Green MPs. Um, very sad news since we last had you in was, of course, the passing of Jeanette Fitzsimons. Um, in saying uh, in saying her name out loud, it makes me think, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, she's the only Green MP to actually win an electorate, which was Coromandel once. Why have the Greens and Labour never done a Epsom-type deal? to Because, like you're saying, that hovering around 5% is a, is a problem. It seems that, and we may have had this conversation before, I have it often, but it seems that the the, the right play politics better than the left. They, they play the game better, even though that the left... It's like if, you know, uh, if it was a game of cricket, 
between North Island and the South Island. The North Island always seems to know the rules better, even though the South Island might have better skills and win the game sometimes. It's like the uh, the, the national game, national and act seem to play the game better, and to ensure the Greens were there to provide supplying confidence or to be a government party member. Why why has that never happened? Why hasn't Epson never happened? Yeah, really relevant conversation that um, we we have had over many elections as well. I wanna I wanna make sure that we don't forget Pat. Part of the green co-papa is a certain approach to politics. And yes, while there, you know, people are divided as to people are divided to the sort of pragmatic or principled approach. And we have both. Um, we have we have been both pragmatic and principled. It's not clear, Pat, that if the Greens, people expect differently from National, people expect differently even from the Labour Party, they definitely expect differently from the ACT Party. Mm-hmm. But what people expect of the Green Party, I have to say, is quite different. Where other political parties um, can get away with a little bit more game playing, I'm not convinced that our base and our supporters will um, will uphold us doing that same approach to politics, that right. sort of cynical approach to politics. I'm not convinced at all. In fact, I know very well that there is a, a core part of our support who would be quite outraged at, at we're, we're supposed to do politics differently. Right. So that is basically what's at the heart of that conversation. It doesn't mean that it, it, it doesn't mean that the conversation's dead in the water. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what's at the heart of what our approach has been. I love the co-popper. I, I, I do because uh, it's, it's back to my American conversations. Um, oh, I forget his name. Joseph de Masti was a philosopher in the 1700s, came up with that term, you know, a country will get the, obviously in French, but a country will get the government it deserves. And I look to America and I go, gosh, what did they do to deserve Donald Trump? They must have killed lots of kittens in their past or something terrible like that. But they get the, they get the, the leaders they deserve. And it's one of those areas where you kind of go, is there any means to an end to stay inside the tent or do you stand by your principles? And one thing that I've always said about the Greens, whether you love them or hate them, um, and I think to maybe the early days where maybe there were some people with some more fervent uh, outside the tent ideas, um, like a Sue Bradford, um, who I, Mm -hmm. you can never question her her principles and what she stood by. You know, she's like, you can't question Bernie Sanders in America. That's why he has no scandals because he stays exactly where he was. That's his principles. And I, I understand what you're saying about the co because the Greens seem to be, I won't say the one party, but the best example I can think of in New Zealand, that whether you agree or disagree with them, they, they stand with what they believe in and that's where they go. Um, so I, I get it. The flip side to that conversation, though, is... If it meant being outside the tent, to then um, carry out the what the Greens want to do, and how you want to influence government, that must be a difficult balancing act in your head to go. Well, if we if we if we stay away from this co-popper, we're inside the tent with government affecting a change. If we stand by our co-popper and we're outside the tent for three years throwing stones, we're not going to be as effective. And that is that is like the most live conversation among our green <laughs> membership and our green supporters that you you've raised exactly um, hitting the nail on the head. What is a always a live conversation, but especially right now. And you know, some people 
it, being in government in this way, being a, a partner in government in this way this term, has has thrown up the difficulty of that balance of principle and pragmatic a lot more than we have ever seen. You know, it has been really difficult. Um, a lot of the decisions that we have made as part of being in the tent have been really also difficult for a lot of our supporters. Mm. Um, I will, uh, I, and I wanted to talk about, because you raised the issue, I that's the sort of, that debate is sort of power at what cost. Yeah. And there's, there's no clear line about, okay, um, will we will we undermine some of our principles just so we can get a little bit more power, just so we can put this and this and this over the line? Or will that be more damaging for us in the long run? I think as smaller, um, smaller parties in their first term around the world, the trend has been very clear that unless the that unless we hold our independent political voice, mm -hmm. we will um, suffer uh, from the larger parties um, sort of branding and presence and that we need to make ourselves known in our own different way. Um, sometimes, that, sometimes that is at odds with maintaining power as you know the way that we know it so they, these are not these are i i always end up i'll be transparent i always think that we can't have power at any cost mm -hmm. that we do have to take a long-term approach and vision to where the greens want to move to and that if we do take power at any cost we may actually end up creating more damage in the long term just for the sake of some immediate term decisions. So it, for me, it's, um, it is difficult, Pat, but it's a really relevant question. And, and saying that, a couple of questions continuing on this theme. I mean, you probably don't know this exactly, but when you say this conversation is live amongst you know your people, is it like 30% would happily do an Epsom deal, 70 wouldn't? Do you, do you know what that is? And the other thing that I'd like to know, which I've never heard asked, probably has been, that sounds really arrogant, um, it sounds like that's the Greens co-popper, but that doesn't necessarily that means that Labour wouldn't offer it. Has the offer ever been made, and have the Greens ever turned it down? <laughs> so th this is this is a really good conversation. What I want to say is, while I don't have a good sense of seventy percent, thirty percent would take a deal, what I do have a strong sense of is that our members, our members don't want us to lie down. They want us to, so for example, um, our members are clear that we have a right to every single electorate mm -hmm. as well as any other party, that the, that the democratic process is about any single organisation or political party having a right to contest every single electorate. And that's a very basic understanding for our Green members. Um, this is why I announced just on Sunday that I am this year for the first time asking for both the party vote in Tamaki Makoto but also the electorate vote for me as the candidate mm -hmm. and this is um, this is a, a new step for us um, not new in terms of not the first time we've done it but um, this will be the third time I've stood for Tamaki Makoto but the first time that I have explicitly also asked for the candidate vote alongside the party vote and this is because the Greens we do evolve we absolutely evolve and we are hearing more and more from our members that they want to see us go for electorates.
that it's we are past the time now where we are just list candidates that they want to see us have a presence in electorates and have um, the relevance of being able to speak at that electorate local political ish uh, level um, and be seen as really contesting and seriously contesting. So mm -hmm. yes, we do we do evolve as a, as a party. In terms of deals, though, I, we're open. I think our members have not completely ruled it out. That's that's one thing I can say is it's not like a hundred percent of our members are going oh nah rough that. Actually, many of our members are like well we could actually do some good work here. We could. Um, have better overall numbers in government, um, but those but those discussions um, are full of emotion, are very serious, and we're having them at all different levels. Um, yes, yes, uh, political parties, political parties over past elections have always floated, shall I say, floated. Well, has, but has there actually been, um, an, has there been an offer made? Like, for example, the one that I thought of, and I don't want to put this out there like I think it's a good idea because I don't want to talk down the Labour candidate or, you know, I want to stay neutral on it is what I'm trying to say. You know, Claire Curran's leaving South Dunedin. South Dunedin has a Green Party member as the mayor here. Ha, I mean, I'm not asking specifically has that been offered, but, you know, has actually Labour ever said to you, would you like a seat? Here's a seat that we will support you in. Has it been as blatant as that? There have been discussions, definitely. There, and I think that's happened over the many, many years. You know, you know, you know. I'm going to take that as a yes. Say eh? there have been discussions. <laughs> as long as you know, yeah, I'm taking that as a yes. Yeah. How could you not be? Yeah, of course. Yeah, that. Well, it's just because they've tended to be pipped very early at the gate is all. <laughs> yeah. Has it always come from Labour to you guys or have you ever asked them, like you in the Greens? Oh, I'm, I'm getting a little bit into into sort of um, uh, detail that I'm not even sure I'm, I have the blessing to share. But it's just, I, it's I just you and me. Deal. We're just chatting. It's just you and me. There's no one else. <laughs> Look, um, there, let's just say that there have always been opportunities um, but more often than not, more often than not, it's other political, I'll say this, other political parties feel that the Greens are a threat to an election plan. Can I just say that? <laughs> I'll just say that. Other political parties, it's never just one. And it sounds, um, like, it sounds like what you're saying is in the end of it, to this point, the Kaupapa has overridden any decisions to go with. Is that the fair conclusion? approaches what i will say some of the approaches um have been a quite a bit insulting and undermining right. of our of our right and our worth of standing in electorates and so some have just gone nah <laughs> fair enough hey um i think last question we've got like eight minutes to go before your your next high-powered important bedroom meeting um <laughs> <laughs> are we going to go to level two next week Oh, look, I, I honestly can't. We are tracking well, Pat. Look at our numbers over the past, what, week? We've had two days in a row of absolutely no new cases. Mm -hmm. um, we still have no community transmission, as far as I can tell, and the new cases all seem to be from the clusters or known cases, known contacts. We are tracking well, Pat. We've done well together. Uh, things are looking like we could consider that but um 
that decision will absolutely not be made until Monday, and then people will be able, uh, there will be an announcement on Monday. And are you a part of that? Like you as the Greens, are you involved in that yes. conversation? They talk about the after Cabinet, but if you're not yep. ministers, you're, how, yep. how, how do the Greens we, get involved in that? James and I, James and I as co-leaders, mm -hmm. um, and James as a minister is also on the COVID uh, Cabinet Committee, mm -hmm. and I'm on the Epidemic uh, Response Committee. James and I also um, give input into the decisions on that on those cabinet papers, like we did for moving to level four, to level three, and so on and so forth. Um, I was really pleased to see in the communications uh, yesterday about the guidelines for level two. Mm -hmm. I was really pleased to see um, our influence and in, as part of that, especially around clear guidelines for people to move around the country. I know that every political party would have had very similar um, concerns and ideas that we have, but we too were able to say, actually, I mean, I... I've been hearing from single mums who really need to get across to other regions now who are at their wits end and need that support from their whanau with, their, with um, the other parent or looking after their babies. And I wanted some clear um, safety messages around travelling and what people should be thinking about if they are going to travel across regions. And that came out yesterday. Yep. So, yes, we were able to have um, uh, engage in that process. Do you think that... Um the leader of the opposition and the reason i use that title rather than say simon bridges is it's not a personal question it no, is about no. i mean a, a well-functioning um government needs a, a opposition party to push back but do you think do you, and i heard um amy adams on uh the sports conversation the other day as well do you think the pushback they're giving at the moment is a little bit like uh an opposition just has to push back and they're not reading the room very well it, it appeared that some of the opposition leaders' public comments did not go down well. Um, but the opposition as a whole, I think, absolutely has been playing an important role. I'm on the Epidemic Response Committee, and they have been asking many of the questions that are valid and fair mm -hmm. um, about the livelihoods of different sectors, um, broadcasting, sports, business, local, um, small and medium businesses. We will always need opposition to ask those questions. Um, any opposition, regardless of its flag, should always be asking those questions. Um, I I think that in level four, they were also on board with supporting the health messages, but um, some of the some of the tone and some of the more aggressive uh, approaches to some of our public servants have not gone down well, and I and I don't think that that's completely necessary for any opposition to do. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, they will choose how they approach their job, their valid job of holding government to account as well. Well, all I know is that I want my barber to reopen because I look ridiculous after about two months of no decent beard clippings. So as long as my barber can reopen, that, that's all I care about, to be honest. Look, we're all look. I I will be lining up once the mass once my local uh, Lambton Key massage uh, therapy people <laughs> open back up in the mall. I'm their regular regular clientele. I can tell you, and we have a competition here in Parliament of whose hair needs a haircut. The urgent <laughs> the priority. My hair is my hair is half hair and half spillings at this time. Right. Um. So. All, we all can't wait to get back and support those local services that we all rely on. <laughs> I was talking to my sister yesterday and I said, um, if you've got long hair and you need a haircut, the difference between 
you know, like four weeks and eight weeks is not necessarily that much. But if you're if you're someone who normally keeps a beard kind of cut and yeah. together, um, the difference between four weeks and ten weeks can be the difference between sort of uh, neat and tidy and uh, man living in the mountains for the past six years. So I'm quite looking forward to that. <laughs> Don't knock the look of man living in the mountain. There's something for everyone in this world, Pat. I know. I was saying that that Dunedin will turn into the after everyone goes to the bar, but Dunedin's going to turn into a city of southern men to a city of hipsters again after everyone cuts all the extra growth off. Yeah, you also saw the the DIY home home yeah. trials. Um, yeah. I, my my eleven year old daughter was made to um, see to her father's crop of hair, and I think he's now realised um, that he best he wait for the barber. <laughs> well, that's why you have that's why you have the caps. Don't have to worry about the top, and you just try as best you can with the bottom. Hey, Martin Davidson, co leader for the Greens. I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope. And maybe we can get James in that once uh, these restrictions are down and closer to the election, there will be a little bit of you know leadership traveling around the country um, because we'd love to. I'm, I'm building a new studio in my house. So there's going to I have to leave my studio, sadly, um, but I'm going to build a studio in the basement. And so that's going to be the new home. I hope I hope all the leaders are traveling and I hope that, you know, one of the representatives of the Greens can get in closer to election time. And um, yeah, we, we we being me and the Green Party chat again soon. We would love to. I'd, I'd love to be able to come to your um, uh, basement studio, Pat. That would, be, that would be a key feature on my calendar. Awesome. <laughs> hey, Marama, thanks for giving us some time today. Sure, Pat. Thank you. All right, team, there you go. The Department of Conversation brought to you by Stratus, the most affordable alternative to smoking. Um, if, you, oh, if you want to find out more about Stratus, why don't you head to vaporium.nz? Basically, it's a system to help people stop smoking. How cool is that? If you're a smoker and you want to stop smoking, Stratus is the answer for you. Or if you know someone, maybe you've got a partner. Kissing a smoker is horrible, eh? Um, but Stratus will help them stop it. There's nicotine in the pods. So it actually it gives them that nicotine hit they need without all the other uh, chemicals and all the uh, smoking, you know, the horrible stuff from cigarettes. And then from, from Stratus, could move to no smoking at all. How amazing would that be? Um, all right, Marama Davidson, that was pretty awesome. Thank you for that. And thank you for giving us some time today. We are coming back next week with a couple of new podcasts. There are some guests who are to confirm uh, one of the ones we will be doing, I think on Tuesday afternoon. I don't normally say think. I normally like to lock it in and make, make sure I know exactly what I'm doing. Uh, but former uh, All Black Openside Flanker and Otago Openside Flanker, Josh Cronfield will be joining us. At the moment, it is booked over Tuesday afternoon, but there is a little bit of, uh, it's more than a pencil, but less than a pen. I don't know what that would be, but that's what it is. If you want to find out more about us, if you want to see what we're all about, head to www.thedoc.nz. Uh, if you want to see lots of videos and there's a bunch of clips and stuff that have gone up recently, not necessarily full episodes, you can head to our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash docnz. Or the other thing you can do is go directly to our YouTube page. The YouTube page doesn't have all the clips on it. The clips are more often than not on the Facebook page. But if you want to see full episodes, uh, you can go to uh, DOCNZ Studios as the URL for YouTube. The other thing, of course, as you are doing is listening to us on probably iTunes uh, or your various audio option for podcasts. If you are listening on iTunes, a rate and review would be a fantastic thing for you to do for us because that's how we get up the different analogs for more people to hear our products. 
lovely people. All right, team, uh, have yourself a great old weekend. We will catch you next time we catch you. Until we see you again, hooroo.